listening to the Rude Horror Podcast with your host, Marcus Rude. Before the episode starts, I just wanted to sort of give you a little disclaimer that there might be a couple little spots where you'll hear some hiccups in our internet connection and it uh, sort of offset our audio and made it to where um, I had to edit a little bit of it out. So um, if you might not flow flow uh, that great together, that's because I had to edit a little bit of the audio so apologize for that um yeah enjoy the episode that i i had with uh drew marvick hello everybody listening to the root horror podcast and i'm joined today by director writer actor the man behind pool party massacre drew marvick how are you doing today buddy i'm awesome thank you thanks for having me on no problem uh you know yeah like we like we were saying earlier uh we were trying to get this set up beginning of the year and then you know turn of events happened and kind of put uh put this on a little sidewinder and uh but here we are man (laughs) yeah it's been like months we've been trying to schedule this so i'm glad we finally pulled it off right 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 so um i guess i uh I'll ask, um, do you have any any good stories you'd like to share about Pool Party Massacre? Or like how did, you know, for people that may not know about this movie quite yet, um, you know, what's what's the uh, the story behind Pool Party Massacre? Well, Pool Party Massacre is, you know, it's just a, my no-budget love letter to 80s slasher films. You know my the the films that I grew up watching, and that I still love to this day. And so I just really wanted to make uh, my kind of my version. It turned into a, a kind of a modern version of an '80s slasher. Uh, a lot of people were doing period pieces and trying and trying to to really capture the period, which which is awesome. And some people pull it off really well, like movies like The Barn. Uh, they they can pull it off, but others, I think it ends up being uh, kind of what ruins the movie in a way because they can't afford to do it properly because they have no because they have no budget, and then it starts to take away from what they're actually doing. So I didn't want to I didn't want to do that. So I just took the sensibility of an '80s slasher and brought it to modern times, and you know threw it at the wall to see if it would stick. Mm-hmm. 
yeah i i really like that aspect and especially around you know even like the 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 time period where you made the movie uh you know we're seeing a lot of uh you know, like throwbacks to the 80s and everyone's trying to capitalize on, you know, everyone loves the 80s. So let's try to get that feel and the as- the aesthetics of it. Um, but I like I like your twist of the, the formula of an 80s slasher film, but in modern time. Yeah, that exactly. And that was and I didn't know if it would if it would work or if people would even notice or people would appreciate it. But to me, it, it just seemed it just felt right for the time because like you said so many people were doing it i'd seen so many and i i have a a film festival here in las vegas in city horror fest so we get a ton of you know hundreds and hundreds of submissions every year that we go through so i see so much indie horror that it's ridiculous not only through you know the conventions and my friends and my you know normal horror fan life but also included bring in the festival do it i see so much and there's so much so many people just, you know, throwing VHS filters on things or adding a couple 80s props and ca- and and calling it the 80s, which which is awesome. But it's really hard to do when you don't have the resources and for post or for props. It's hard to pull off and I didn't want to fail in that. So, I you know, so I thought I would just take the like the sensibility they still make the same bad decisions that characters in 80s slashers made and the same things happen, but it's in modern times. Right, right. And that's what I think is so fun about Pool Party Massacre is, you know, it, it, I, I sort of sound like a broken record, but yeah, like, you know, it, it reminds you of, of what would happen in the 80s, but yet, you know, it's, it's happening in, in today's times. And uh, yeah, I really dig it, man. And Thank like, you. Uh, uh to to add on about uh you know everyone's trying to do all these 80 horror vibe movies i'm almost i'm almost seeing like uh uh like we've seen this before but with with zombie movies like for a while all you could see was just nothing but zombie movies everywhere and then that kind of died down a little bit and then now we're sort of seeing this whole 80s vibe going on and uh, uh, it, it just seems like we're, you know, we're kind of going in circles, but with uh, different formulas. I don't know. It's definitely, there definitely are waves, but the 80s wave has been big. I mean, I think it, it was gaining momentum anyways, and then things like Stranger Things really, like, put it into the mainstream. And now there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of really good, even bigger budget movies that are being set in the eighties and then tons of indie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, ho- horse, the band. Um, so what, what, uh, what sparked your interest to, to get them as, uh, the, the theme for pool party massacre? I I mean, other than just being a fan of, of Horse the Band, I mean, I've listened to him forever and I've seen him live a, a ton of times, but that stems from the lead singer of Horse the Band, Nathan, I've known since seven, like sixth or seventh grade. Like we've been really good friends our whole lives. So. Oh, wow. Okay. So that, so that was kind of, as soon as I knew I needed music, even early on, I reached out to him and said, Hey man, I, you know, I'm making this movie. I want it. I want to have. I want to kind of 
curate the soundtrack with things that I like. Is there any way I can use a horse song? And he said, yes, which was awesome. And then we later found out as I started picking songs, you know, which, oh, well, we can't use that one because we don't own the rights to that one. Or, oh, you can't, you can't use that one unless you get publishing cleared from the label. And so luckily, but luckily um, that album with Cutsman there that I was able to use. Um, So I think it's combat records that has it. And I reached out to them and they said, please go ahead just give us some credit as long as it's okay with the band they were just really really cool with it so that's awesome yeah i've seen them a couple times and uh um i've seen them in a sounds of the underground festival i think it was like 2006 and then i've seen them in a small venue and every time cutsman would come on and that breakdown happens like everyone would just go nuts yeah, it's crazy. The first time, I mean, I saw them play really small venues early on and like even like rehearsals and stuff and then and had early cassettes that they made. And then I moved to Vegas and they're still in California. So I kind of was out of the loop for a while. And then they came through Vegas and I went to see them and didn't expect that. I wasn't expecting to be looking out from for like from the stage and see hundreds or thousands of kids in this venue all start doing the cutsman with their hands at the same time during that breakdown and just going crazy it, it was really cool yeah yeah for sure yeah they they uh i don't know they kind of been uh in the uh i don't know i don't even know what's going on with them are they even a band anymore i i think they're still a band but I, I they haven't really been doing anything although i just recently i thought i saw they were either recording or or playing a couple shows or both mm-hmm. but i but i don't know if it was just out of boredom or if they're actually gonna start touring again i mean they're such a they were you know they're pretty underground band mm-hmm. they're not they're not super mainstream but they had a really like die hard following and and you know and they get credit for kind of starting a a genre in Nintendo core, if that's mm-hmm. still even considered a genre. So they're a really <laughs> interesting thing. I meet, I'll meet people. It's the, the movie's a great example because the majority of the people that watch the movie don't know who they are or what that's, or what that song even is. But the people that do get so excited and, mm-hmm. will, and will reach out to me and, you know, post just that clip, even if they don't know me or, or who you know much about the movie they might have gotten been led to it because of course the band you know and they're just obsessed with that the opening titles because of that yeah that's so awesome man and i I love the the whole nes bit uh little segment with the uh with the cutsman song that that's really cool yeah that turned out great that was a an editor friend of mine malcolm hardeman did did that he does animation on the side and put that together and it just fit with the song so well and ended up, you know, it, it's, it's my favorite part of the movie actually. And I, and I didn't do it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it. Hey, it looks cool though, right? Yeah, it looks awesome. Like I said, I, I love it. I'm, I'm excited to see what we do with the next one. And, and if, and I'm assuming that they'll let me, but I, I plan on putting another horse, the band song in the, in the sequel too, just cause they were so cool to let me use one in the first one heck yeah man that's awesome yeah uh, um 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to talk about Pool Party Massacre 2 if, if there's anything you can say. But uh, before I want to talk about the first one for a little bit. Sure. Um, um, so, like, what was the hardest scene that you had to film for the movie? Probably the, the hardest scene would have been um, when I kill my real-life wife with uh, the ha- the claw hammer. Like through the bottom of her jaw. That was the hardest mm-hmm. for a couple reasons. One, just because it was the first thing we shot. I mean, it was the first death scene we shot. I mean, it wasn't literally the first thing we rolled on, but it was the first non-dialogue or B-roll scene that we shot. So we, you know, we hadn't really got our footing yet, and we were figuring a lot of things out. But also, I'm mistakenly thought it would be one of the easiest death scenes to shoot which is why i made it first and it wasn't a a lot of work had to go into timing and the appliance for the clock in her mouth and then matching the hammer on the bottom and the amount of blood that we used and having her feet off the ground i mean and we didn't have a team of people i mean we had a one person effects team and katie jacobs who was great and luckily her husband came and helped that day which was awesome. So we technically had a two-person team, but he's an architect, not an FX person. But still, he. So I mean, we had two by fours <laughs> run through ladders that she could hold on to, and tubes running through the house. And plus, we had this house that we couldn't just spray blood all over. We weren't on a set, you know. We were we're in a real practical house with an expensive couch. And nice items and a beautiful slate floor that I wasn't sure would be com- if it would be completely ruined by the blood. So we just had to work around a lot of things. So that that was probably the most difficult, but it also has turned out to be one of one of my favorites. Not just because I got to kill my wife. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, speaking like uh, the architect. Did he help design the uh, the stunt doors? No, I wish. He just helped spray blood. He was just uh, so happy, probably so happy to not be in an in an office like dealing with protractors and whatever architects need to use. Like he was there to help spray blood and throw buckets of blood everywhere. Mm-mm. All right. Um. <laughs> Did you ever get the bed frame replaced from the axe scene? No, no, I still, I still <laughs> sleep in that bed, and it still has a giant notch cut out of the out of the footboard. Oh wow! And I don't know if I should ever. I mean, I feel like I should, but then I have this moment, like, man, maybe it'd be fun to like tell my grandkids that story someday when they're sitting on the foot of the bed. Right. It, it adds character. It does, although it doesn't look great. <laughs> it's like it's just a giant chunk of the bed missing. Oh well, yeah, it's it's a good conversation starter if anyone ever comes in your bedroom like, That's "Oh, what true. happened there?" It's like, yeah. "Well, it's a it's a long story." Yeah. <laughs> I should just put the axe back in and just leave it cuz it fits. And then I like I actually t- took a real axe for one of the shots where the axe is stuck in it and I if you I placed the blade in it and then hit it with a hammer until it would was wedged in and would stick. So I could just do that and leave an ax sticking out of the, the <laughs> bottom. It'd be an even better conversation starter. Right. The, yeah. The, uh, the change on their face might be a little different and be like, uh, 
What's going on, Drew? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> my room itself was a great, <laughs> was a work of art after the movie because all of those scenes at, at the end we shot in my room, even though we and just cheated it to be in in the house. Um, and my carpet was white, and so the carpet was covered and covered in blood. I mean, the amount of blood that was all over by the time was insane, and it and fake blood just dries into like a crust hard cake. And mm-hmm. so there was just this red crust in giant pools all over the carpet that could never be removed. It, and I knew it couldn't be. That was the plan. I was going to rip the carpet out and replace it after the movie. But then I got into post-production and then try, you know, trying to do all these things with the movie and work on other projects to pay my bills. And, you know, I just with a busy life with two kids and a wife and, I think it was at least a year that we just had these gigantic blood stains all over the white carpet in our master bedroom. And just to the point where my wife and I were just used to it. You just walked over it every day and forgot about it until someone would come over until like the pest guy would have someone come spray and they would open the door and react. And then I'd remember, Oh my God. Oh yeah. Sorry. Not real blood. I swear. Don't call the cops. It's like, <laughs> it's from this movie I'm making. And they'd kind of give me a look like, sure it is. Don't worry. Don't kill me. Then so, you yeah. feel obligated. You have to give them like a free copy of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and that was when we were still making it. So I'd have to like show them pictures on my phone. Be like, look, I sw- here's a picture of, <laughs> see the guy sitting in that pool of blood. He's smiling. He's not really dead. You know, so it was kind of, it was kind of funny. And even when the people came to put, I mean, I hired people to, uh, we put a wood floor in. So when the flooring guys came to pull the carpet out and start laying the wood floor, I had to do like this big disclaimer before you walk in. I just want to warn you. It's not real blood. I promise. Blah, blah, blah. So it was, it was, it was interesting for a while. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, the Dutch lady, have you ever, did you ever like contact her? Or did she ever contact you? Like, you know, I haven't, many times or you know i haven't many months spoken, after i haven't spoken to her since and <laughs> anyway i've reached out i don't know if you know the story of why how she ended up in the movie i think i maybe have told it once or twice but i but i don't know if it's actually common knowledge but she was part of a dutch tv show that was in las vegas filming her son is a is a big celebrity and like he hosts um their version of like America's got talent, I think it was. And so he's a big, a big celebrity. And he was, it was a TV show called, I believe it was 50 ways to kill your mother. And it was, and basically it was him taking his mom, his sweet old mom on an adventure and making her do crazy things. Like he made her skydive and he put her on the back of a, a Harley and had like a, a motorcycle club rider across the desert on the back of a Harley for a couple (laughs) hours. And then she had to eat a scorpion and she did these just, you know, putting your mom through crazy things. I think it's a show in other countries and other languages. And this was their version. And they were in Vegas doing some of those things. And I was hired as a local producer. So I was helping them put it all, put it all together. And at some point, one of the producers of the show found out who what i was doing and that i that i was making this movie 
and they said, oh, my God, we have this idea. Is there any way you could kill her in your movie? We just think that would be amazing because the show is jokingly about him trying to kill her. And, you know, what's more American than these like slasher movies? This would be amazing. So I had to on the fly. They were only in town for a couple of days, like a week, five days. I had to on the fly write a scene for her, figure out how it could work, get the crew back out because we weren't shooting. I'd taken that week off because I was working on their TV show. So I had to like whip all this up and and so there's and then they came and actually filmed. So that whole day of me of her getting killed in the movie, there was a three camera TV show, a crew there filming us filming, killing her for this big giant TV show in their language and in their country. So it was a really weird dynamic. It, it was really interesting. And and I've been dying to get my hands on that TV show or that episode. But unfortunately, I don't know what happened to it. I, I think it finally aired, but I haven't been able to track it down. So somewhere in Belgium, there was this show where on primetime TV where people watched me kill this old lady huh. and, and talk about Pool Party Massacre. So yeah, it was really, and then there was a real show. So they had a, a real crew, like I said, a three camera crew shooting on like Alexas and had a big budget. And there was like a seven person production crew of just producers alone. And then my little crew making this movie. So it was a, it was funny. So, and it worked out. I didn't know if we'd even be able to use it honestly, like at the time I, but it actually cut into the movie just fine. It's really weird. People don't understand why there's this crazy Dutch lady. <laughs> having tea with her doll and getting killed but it actually it actually worked right yeah i mean what uh what slasher movie isn't like where you understand it completely like you gotta you gotta throw a little little bones in there where it's like huh what was that about (laughs) exactly and that and that ended up just being one even though it was not planned and not wasn't in the script at all it was i had 48 hours to figure all that out and and put it together so but it's it's another interesting story about the movie and like i said someday i'll find that episode of belgian tv with me directing the movie so it's almost like they got like some really good behind the scenes footage of you making the movie they did yeah you know essentially and it was a whole, you know, there was a whole interview and her in, in makeup and then her getting the blood tube rigged. And I mean, they spent the whole, you know, four hours just on that one death scene because of all of their, they had to get what they needed as well. So, so yeah, it was interesting. Wow. Yeah. That would be really cool to, to, you know, if, if you can get your hands on that and yeah, someday. Yeah. Um, so do you, do you have anything else up your sleeves or is pool party massacre like two going to be mostly your main focus right now? I mean, I always have a ridiculous amount of things going on. I always have way too many, you know, pots in the fire, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. I want pool party massacre two to be my only focus so that I can, you know, get it done and get it out. But I have, I'm, I mean, I help so many other people on their projects and I'm acting in a bunch of projects and I have, I'm acting in a movie called slash Lorette party that we're just in, oh gosh, I think in like a week or two, I have to fly out to California to shoot the last scenes of that. Oh, uh, nice. I have some, 
I'm trying to think what else. So there's I have a, a couple anthologies that I have segments in that we're working on. Um, a bunch of random shorts that I'm acting in. So, so yeah, I always have, like I said, way too many things going on. Plus the convention circuit and and everything else that I do. But I would like, I'm trying to transition back to Pool Party Massacre 2 being the focus. But with this, with everything that's going on, it's really hard. I mean, it's hard to get to know when it's appropriate and safe to be back on set or at least to put a crew back on set. And so I'm kind of going, I'm working off all of the standards uh, in Hollywood that the motion picture association and all the, the unions are using. And it's hard for me to work under the, which I do because I produce commercials for a living. That's what I do other than make bad horror movies. So the same, the same safety standards I have to use when I'm, when I have a set, with a large crew and we're working on something big, I try to apply to pool party massacre on a smaller scale, at least when it comes to safety. So I just don't know when it's the right time to get everyone back and do it and do it safely. I know that it's just not quite yet for me and with, with my crew. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and just everything as a whole, it's still sort of at like an uncertainty point. You know, like it seems like it's getting better, and then next day it's like, oh, it's getting worse. Or of course, know. yeah. And so, without without knowing, with you know, there's without any certainty, it's just easier and safer for me to say, hey, let's just wait, let's just wait it out. There isn't, you know, we're not curing cancer. We're making pool party massacre too, so we can we can delay it a couple months and and do it when the time is right. So that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm at now. Just just waiting it out, and if I have to wait six months, then I have to wait six months. It's unfortunate, and I want to, especially since we did uh, crowdfunding, and people are dying to either be in their scene or just see the movie that they contributed to. And I want to to give it to them, but but luckily it seems like everyone understands. They know what's going on. It's not it's not me. It's the whole world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's important. Is and you know, and that's one of the cool things about the horror community is, for the most part, we're all pretty understanding people. Like we know it takes time, and you know, especially with everything going on, uh, you know, everything's going to be delayed. I mean, of course, literally everything. I mean, I don't know what what isn't. I mean, there were some projects that were made in the quarantine that that maybe we'll we'll be able to finish sooner. But other than that. I have too many, pro- including like Slash Larat Party, where I'm going to shoot in two weeks. We were supposed to shoot those scenes months ago, and the movie should have already been done, but it got delayed. And I know, like, um, I'm going out uh, to the set of the barn, too. Same thing. Like, that should have been, they wanted to finish that a long time ago as well. Mm-hmm. But but they ended up getting delayed for multitude of reasons, and then getting delayed for this, and it's, you know, so so it's rough. Yeah. Yeah, uh, speaking of crowdfunding, you guys like slaughtered your uh, campaign. So uh, with all that extra money, uh, I know you had joked about putting a, a boat chase scene in there. <laughs> <laughs> Is that going to happen? I don't. I mean, I have to do it, and I have to honor that in some way, shape, or form. Exactly how I'll do it, I don't know. Like I know, even in my video, I joked about how I would do it, whether it be remote control boats or inflatable boats or real boats <laughs> or 
boats on TV or I joke I joked about licensing like a boat chase from Miami Vice like an old episode and just putting that cutting to that for no, <laughs> no reason. So I don't know exactly how I'll do it, but I definitely will do it in some way so that so that I honor my my promise. But but I w- but that won't be something that costs that won't that costs money necessarily. I I don't want to waste waste any of the production budget on that. But but yeah, it was awesome. I've never done a crowdfunding. I've been a part of several people's crowdfunding videos for projects that I that I acted in or helped produce, but I've never actually done one and I wasn't sure how it would go and I had very low expectations. So it was really cool to to not only make our goal but to surpass our goal. So so I'm excited to get to fly in some a couple recognizable faces and spend some more money on on blood. Yeah. And not worry about spilling a little bit of blood. I might be able to afford to replace a couch or a bed uh, or something like yeah, you that. Just replace the whole house. Well, yeah, that, but no, not quite. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> after fees and perks and everything, I mean, it still still ends up being, you know, like a twelve or fifteen thousand dollar movie. But so I can't buy a house, but I I'll end up putting so much of my own money and blood and sweat and tears into it that that hopefully we'll be able to make it look like you know a six-figure movie by the end yeah for sure man yeah i know i'm excited for it all right well maybe maybe i'll just i'll skip to another question and maybe it'll maybe it'll come back to me um so what are some of your favorite horror movies that you've seen lately lately like modern yeah, like you know, has there, has there been any good movies that you've recently watched that maybe you've never seen before? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I, I I try to watch a lot. I've been watching a lot of things for the festival, uh, movies that aren't released that that no one would know what they are, and I don't even know where they are publicly, so I can't talk about any of those. But a lot of last year's festival picks were great for our last. Uh, festival run um like straight edge kegger i really liked it which is i don't know if you've seen it yet but just very very different really cool punk rock kind of um aggressive horror flick i really dug that i just finally saw a quiet place for the for the first time i'm way behind on that but i was pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. by that and i had i didn't for some reason expect to like it but i i really did yeah, that's a really good one. I'm trying to think yeah. what else I've I've watched. I just watched I just it's not new and I've actually seen it before, but the Blu-ray finally, the new special fancy Blu-ray of Gutter Balls just came out from Unearthed Films. And so I I had I had to watch that again to to mm-hmm. honor my uh my friend, my late friend Ryan. So uh, that's which is a very polarizing movie and i know it's a it's kind of a it's kind of bonkers and very very hard to watch for some people but but i think it has its place for sure for sure man yeah uh i i just watched for the first time the other day uh color out of space oh yeah i've been dying to see that and i, I bought the blu-ray but i haven't watched it yet yeah it's it's really good i uh it it, it was what i was hoping it would be with you know all the i won't give anything away but like with all like the flashy neon lights and everything like it just it's it's actually like really beautifully shot and and just you know 
is a beautiful looking movie, but yet you're intertwining Lovecraft and space and, you know, like sci-fi elements and psychological twists and stuff. I won't give anything away, but yeah, it was, it was really good, man. Oh, that's cool. You know, the the newest thing that I've watched recently was The Hunt. I watched that a couple nights ago, and I really, really enjoyed that. Hmm. If you get a chance to see it, it's it just came out a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. but but it was actually I was pleasantly surprised. Like I really I didn't know anything about it going into it, and I mean it's horror comedy, which is kind of the world that I live in. So, <laughs> right. Well, what's what's your favorite uh, horror comedy? Or do you have, you know, like, I know it's hard to pick one, but. Yeah, what, what I, you... I mean, I bounce between, I, I never, I'm not, I'm inconsistent with my answer, like kind of intentionally, because I can't, I can't pick one. Um, mm-hmm. I guess probably my most common answer would be Return of the Living Dead, because it's one of my favorite movies ever made. Okay. So, um, I also really dig the, like, movies like The Greasy Strangler. Oh, Yeah. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I love the Greasy Strangler. I think Return of the Living Dead is, like I said, is my most common answer when people ask me what my favorite horror movie is or my favorite 80s horror movie or horror comedy. Like, it seems to to be one that, because I love it so much, that comes up so often. Right, it's a solid pick, for sure. Like, uh, for me, like, you know, it, it's a hard choice, but... Uh... I would have to say, I, I know it's a, what would you call it, like a mainstream pick, but like Dead Alive. Is oh, Dead Alive is fantastic. <laughs> it's definitely up there for me. Oh, yeah. Humor-wise, it's a much sharper humor than Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the, the wit of Dead Alive. And even movie like Zombieland doesn't get old. My My kids love Zombieland, so it's on all the time in my house. And so I love that. I mean, what we do in the shadows was great mm-hmm. for, for modern horror comedy. And even like, I mean, I, I end up now that my son's a little older, my son's 13, there's movies as he was getting older that I could watch that maybe I wouldn't have even given a chance, but since he could watch them, I did like there was a movie, uh, final girls. I did mm-hmm. with the, the final girl. I don't remember if it was the final girls or final girls, but it, the, the, there were two movies with the same title that came out, I think the same year even, but it was the one where they get sucked into the 80 slasher film camp slasher film. Like that had oh, some really, yeah. that one had some really, really funny stuff. I really dug that. Yeah, and movies, sure, man. movies like that, that I don't know if I would have watched unless I was looking for, horror comedies that, that, that were PG-13 so my kid could watch them because I can't watch The Greasy Strangler with him. But right. I could but I could watch that or or like Happy Death Day and The, ba- the Babysitter was the Dead. other one. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead is, is like a, a a classic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know if there's... I don't, I'm trying to think if there's nudity in it. I don't think there's nudity. I think it's, it's just... Sean, no. Maybe... Maybe like adult humor and just you know the usual gore stuff. Yeah, I mean, I like I my leanings are just to cl- are to to older classic films because those are the ones that I've watched. 
the most, which is why, like I said, I picked Return of the Living Dead. But even all, you know, the Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness and Reanimator and Dead Alive, like you mentioned, those are movies. And movies like American Werewolf of London really kind of kicked off, you know, horror comedy for me in my life. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we can go on and on forever, but I just I just thought I would ask uh what are some of your favorites? Um well I will ask you, speaking of American World from London, um what's your favorite universal monster film? Oh man. Like of the classics? Yeah, like classics, black and white, um, go see. That's I, I'd probably would have, I'd probably have to say Creature from the Black Lagoon. They aren't really movies that I revisit much. Like I watched them all with my son years, you know, five or six years ago now. Like I made him watch all of them before he could watch anything else uh horror related. <laughs> and they're all very safe mm-hmm. in, in, in that regard. They're almost comical. To, to for him like especially to think that this was scary like as he was watching him that's all he kept saying it's like wait this was this was scary there was a point in time where <laughs> teenagers were actually scared of this and i said yeah that people were terrified of these movies at one point in time so mm-hmm. but that but i haven't w- really watched any of them since i mean i've always just loved the creature there's just something about um you know the the prosthetics and the costuming and the creature itself right. that I've just been kind of drawn to, but I love I love Frankenstein's monster as well, just as this you know misunderstood person. It's just so relevant. It's like the the idea of it is relevant. I feel like in every time or in every time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, those are good picks, and you know, there's there's no right or wrong answer. I just I. I, this is sort of like a universal question that I ask everybody on on the show. I guess I if like I, to, you know, I just like to hear. If I had to pick my favorite universal monster, it would be Jaws. <laughs> it would be Bruce the Shark from Jaws. Ah, I guess yeah. he's in a way a universal monster. But it, but the actual monsters that you're to the classics, honestly, just for me, my favorite universal monster movie is Monster Squad. Even though it okay. isn't really what you're looking for, but to me that was what like I didn't grow up watching the I saw the, all the classics at some point in my life, but I didn't really go grow up watching them over and over again or religiously. But the movie Monster Squad I did, and and that has all of the mm-hmm. the Universal monsters in it, and I would watch that movie like once a month i think when i was a kid and i still and i've introduced it to both my kids and it, it's on always on a heavy rotation so that's what my answer will be from now sure. on when anyone yeah, asks me what my favorite course. universal monster movie is i'm gonna say that movie even if they hate me for it <laughs> well you know it's it's still considered universal monsters i guess you know they're all there so i mean yeah I, I can't argue with you. It's a good movie. I actually uh, got to see a screen uh, of it, like area where I live, movie theater, and um, the actor, um, 
his name is escaping my mind right now. Um, he made the documentary uh, Wolfman's Got Nards. Yeah, I think Andre uh, Andre Gower. He, he, yes, yes, he was there and he was uh, answering questions that people were asking. That's cool. He's he's awesome. I I know it's he made the documentary and I think Ryan uh, Lambert who played Rudy was a part of. I don't know if he was a part of the production, but I know he was a large part of it as well. But I think Andre was the one that that really spearheaded all that. And he's super cool. I've met him a couple times. And, you know, mm-hmm. I went to I went to lunch with him here and he came to Vegas and I got to pick his brain for a couple hours. It was, he's a he's an interesting <laughs> guy and has done a lot. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of I mean. Yeah, he's a cool guy. I just, uh, I, I can't believe how short he was. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. That's true. Well, I had it. it was you know, funny. I, I, I guess I never really. Yeah. When, he, when we went to lunch, it was just like, hor- this, it was hor- horribly embarrassing. But we went to lunch to talk movies and stuff and projects and potentially working together and stuff like that. And I picked the place and. You know, and he came. He came and met me. And as we were getting to leave, getting ready to leave, I realized I forgot my wallet. And so I had this like hor- horribly embarrassing moment where I had to look at Andre Gower, like one of like a you know an actor in one of my favorite movies from all time, somebody that I've watched you know my whole life as they grew up on screen, and say, "Hey, man, I know this sounds ridiculous, but I seriously forgot my wallet in my car." I'm so sorry. I don't know if you want to wait here and I'll go get it or I don't know. And, and he, you know, no, graciously just picked up the check. And my whole intention was to buy him lunch. Like I invited him to lunch so that I could buy him lunch. And he ended up, you know, so I, I hopefully, (laughs) you know, hopefully he sees the, the humor in that. And then luckily I got to my car and my wallet was there. And cause I actually didn't even know. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know if I lost my wallet on the walk up or, this is really weird and it sounds like a story, but I swear to God. So yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty funny. So he ended up having to buy me lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I haven't talked to him since. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe he hates me. He probably, he probably is cool guys. No, he was, yeah, you know, shit happens. Yeah. I think, I, I, I don't think it's because he had to buy me a $12 smoothie, but, but you never know. <laughs> Back to Pool Party Massacre 2. Will part two be filmed in the summer this time? I, it, <laughs> I mean, ideally it would be filmed more in the spring just because summers are so hot. Like I wanted to be I wanted to be done shooting by now, actually. Just because mm-hmm. it's it's actually it's really hard to shoot outside when it's 110 degrees. I mean you just you just have a very limited amount of time with the actors that they can actually sit there on set in direct sunlight when it's 110 and even the equipment and everything like it's so it's it's hard to do that so i really wanted to to shoot it in april and may before it got into the hundreds and now unfortunately here we are in july and it's 100 and you know 108 so i might have Mm -hmm. to wait i might have to wait now till fall when it gets back down under 100 again but not wait till winter like last time and have people suffering in the cold so so yeah it's it's this you know it's this delicate balance i don't know which is better i think actually shooting in the cold would be better than shooting in 110 degree heat because at least 
in the cold you can put a blanket on or a jacket or and warm mm-hmm. up and warm up for a minute and you're not gonna in the heat i mean you can i mean you literally can get heat stroke and you can get sunburn just from short periods in the sun and people are constantly sweating and you know and it's and it's miserable right. for the crew so right so well, i probably even like the outside shots um uh sorry um like even like the outside shots so if it's in winter time probably not a lot of people are outside so like the noise is probably really calm so it probably helps with with your sound guys sure uh, definitely you guys is audio definitely does help and in and with and in part two i mean the, the first one i don't think if even if you haven't seen it it's not a major spoiler it all takes place at one house and in there's one pool essentially i mean there's the pool the neighbor's pool from the very beginning with leanna vamp and the pool guy but other than that it's it all takes place at one house and in one pool and a large majority of the movies shot in the backyard but with part two we're not limited to that so we'll there there are a lot of scenes inside houses and and that are indoors just as many indoors as there are as there are outdoors so we have this freedom to roam in part two and do whatever we do whatever uh we want awesome yeah i mean i uh like i said i can't wait to to see what you got up your sleeve and uh you know, hopefully, hopefully this movie isn't cursed to where production gets pushed to winter time. Yeah, and uh, hopefully you know, not. you see like a, a repeat. <laughs> yeah, I've but, got my fingers crossed. <laughs> but there is a chance. I mean, I definitely want to get it done before the end of the year. So if 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 we do get pushed far enough that that's my only option, then then that's what we'll do. I'll get the snuggies out again, and we'll uh. We'll make another wintertime pool party movie. So I'm going to do everything I can to to get it done. Yeah, you might have to uh, maybe make like a side movie of like Hot Tub Pool Party Massacre. Yeah, something. Something. A spin-off. A a spin-off series. There is actually a movie called Hot Tub Massacre. Oh shit! Yeah, I, it <laughs> I came out. Known. It came out, and it's a newer movie. It actually came out, I think, right after Pool Party Massacre came out, because I, I remember talking to the filmmaker, and I actually bought a, I bought a Blu-ray of it, and and we did, you know, we were communicating for a while. It was just kind of funny, oh. like, hey, I made Pool Party Massacre, and you made Hot Tub Massacre. Nice. <laughs> well, Drew, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was a blast talking to you yeah um and best of luck to you in uh in the future you're here with us uh it's really fun to talk to you today thank you for coming on yeah thank you thanks for uh thanks for having me on i appreciate it that wraps up the episode i had with drew marvick thank you again drew for coming to the show i had a blast and uh I hope to get you back on the show at some point and we can talk about more of the movies you make. And, uh, and yeah, man, this is a lot of fun. So just want to thank everybody for listening and uh, your continued support. I greatly appreciate it. Um, if you guys want to, totally up to you. But if you want to go to um, my podcast page on Anchor and go to the support section, 
small monthly donation. And uh, if you do so, email me at rudehorror at gmail.com. Give me a supporter pick. That means I will cover a movie that you want me to pick. Um, or you can find me on social media, Root Horror Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and Root Horror Pod on Twitter. Also want to mention Midwest Monster Fest has been postponed until 2021, early September. Uh, it's, it wasn't an easy choice, but with uh, everything going on in the world, smart smartest and safest thing to do so um go to their social media they'll give you um full detail on how you can get your refund if you purchase tickets or you can roll it over and email them and uh and say that you want to roll over your passes or whatever that you have and you can get perks added to it so um, I think with me, I got the weekend pass, so I'm going to roll over and, uh, instead of two days, it's going to be three days. So you will get three, a three day pass if you purchase the weekend pass and, uh, email them that you would like to add perks and they'll add in some extra swag and like some sort of goodie bag and, and uh, extra stuff. So, um, yeah, so again, go to their social media if you want to get the full detail on uh, on what to do if you have bought tickets. Uh, I know it's a real bummer, but uh, like I said, I think this is the safest and uh, smartest thing they can do for right now. But I will mention, uh, check out Wake Brewing. It's a brewery in Rock Island, Illinois. And uh, they're the go-to beer spot in the Quad Cities. And uh, they have delicious craft beer on tap um, they're going to also have food trucks show up on the weekend sometimes it's like a low pies pizza sometimes Floyd burgers and sliders comes in um, so you know you get you get uh, different choices here and there and uh, and next Friday I believe from uh, from the, the date of this episode um, pit Lord is a uh, barbecue metal band from the Quad Cities, and they will be releasing their CD, uh, vinyl, or I, I guess just their record release day is going to be at Wake Brewing next Friday, July 24th, and you can snag some Pit Lord merch and grab some Wake Brew craft beer and uh, listen to metal out outside at outside of Wake, I should say. It's going to be a good time. And uh, speaking of Pit Lord, they are going to be a guest on my show coming up probably next week. Uh, I'd like to try to get their episode out before um, there's their uh, record release. So stay tuned for that, guys. Also, I got uh, um, Jackson Stewart, who uh, directed and co-wrote Beyond the Gates. He will be a special guest on the Root Horror Podcast coming up pretty soon, too. So, if uh, you're not familiar with a movie called Beyond the Gates, seek that one out and check that one out. It should be a good time, guys. Um, that about wraps it up. Uh, I will say, check out uh, 
Evil Dead Beats on Bandcamp. Search under the artist Evil Dead and check out his Beats from the Crypt albums. He's got two of them out. Check them out. And uh, and uh, he also has a YouTube channel, but he mostly puts up uh, different types of beats that he has for sale. But uh, I can always send you the link to that if, if you guys are interested in that. And uh, enjoy this beat from Evil Dead. I'm signing off. Check you out on the next episode. Yeah.